The odds of making it in Hollywood are slimmer than the waistlines of the actors that graze the red carpets. Only 2% of actors make enough money to financially support themselves doing just that. So when someone rises to fame, starts booking steady gigs, and becomes a regular on famous shows like SNL and The Simpsons, you've made it, right? Well, making it doesn't solve all problems, maybe just some financial ones. It certainly can't solve a marriage on the rocks. It might just make it deadly. So we've got actually quite a few new Patreon supporters to thank and shout out today. Hey, um, drum roll, please. All right, so we have Kristen, Amber, Mary Beth, Lauren, Rachel, AOK, Amanda, Elizabeth, and James. Welcome, everyone. Woo! Welcome. That is crazy. That's awesome. Um, and so we do have a couple of uh, Supremos, and so they have a surprise shot dedication. So today we are going to do a dedication to one of our most loyal Supremos, Lauren. Hey, Lauren. Who has given us some amazing story ideas. Uh, so, Jen... She didn't have a, a specific message, and this is mostly because I'm I, I'm picking this for her um, as our first official Supremo on the new Patreon. Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Oh, that was three. Yeah. Shit. <clears throat> that was a slow one. I, I'm concerned. I don't like clear liquor unless I know what it is. And normally... This is the best for the best Supremo around Lauren. <sighs> Cheers, guys. Tequila. Oh, yes. Okay, that was great. Thank that you. That was Patron. Oh, God, so is smooth. So good. But nothing but the best for Lauren. What day does Cinco de Mayo fall on this year? The 5th of May? I think... <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> he, she meant like day of the oh. week. <laughs> like, well, that's date, not day. No, date She's... is the fifth. Day is the day of the week. I, I want to say Saturday, you but said, let me you confirm. You said date. You I said, said date. day. I said what date? Day? No, I said day. You said date. No, I can, I didn't. You can play it back. I'll play it back. Go ahead. Do it. Hang on. I also said surprise shots this week. So, uh, thanks everyone for- It's on a Wednesday. Boo! Although, you know what is hilarious? I keep thinking back to, remember how at the beginning of 2020, there was this like calendar meme of like- Everything is everything on a Saturday. falls on a great day this year, and yeah. then like no one was able to do anything. Well, that's why great. I'm having my housewarming party about all the holidays, because everything got all fucked up. Exactly. It's perfect. And now everything, every, everything that got fucked up is going to be translated to everyone is going to get fucked up. So we actually, for next week, just so that you guys are clear, uh, Kristen gave us two ideas for our her, for her surprise shot dedication. So I may actually have us do both because they both sound amazing. Just a heads up. We may do two surprise shots for Kristen next week. Okay, I'm down with that. And by the way, uh, Kristen is an actress and she has been on one of our favorite shows, Jen. No, you you don't like that show. I do like that show. Which one? Orange is the New Black. Oh. No shit. Never yes. mind. What, which, what role did she play? She uh, has been seen as one of our uh, the prison inmates. I was <gasps> thinking something else. I was thinking Walking Dead for some reason. 
I loved The Walking Dead, but I stopped I never watching it. it when one of my favorite characters was at risk of dying. And I was like, I can't. I can't handle him dying. The only reason I don't know this already is because I am really, really bad about remembering things. And I did not log on to Patreon this week. For the Patreon people, thank you so much for joining. By the time you see this, well, it, it may be out on like a Wednesday, but there will be a Patreon exclusive episode for you about the Death Row Granny. Ooh. Ooh. So, guys, if you are new here tonight, welcome to the Talk Murder to Me podcast. My name is John. I'm here with, who are you? Hi, I'm your wife. (laughs) Nikwiz and Jen, and we put all of our photos and videos and sources on talkmurder.com. You can go there and click the blog post if you are not driving or if you're driving a Tesla. I gotta stop saying that. One day we'll all be driving Teslas. We also are streaming this on YouTube.com, and you can go along with us there. I'm putting some Google Earth videos there, and you can actually just watch us, watch me. Now, we're starting this story on May 28th, 1998. All right, so you guys on YouTube, this is where we're going tonight. 17500 Ventura Boulevard, California. This is in Encino. I've never been to California, have you? Yes, I have, twice. Have you been to Encino? Um I don't think so. I've been to Well, I've been up and all up and down the coast actually the first time that I went to California, but like didn't visit everywhere that we went. We just drove and then I spent some time in Los Angeles a few years ago. Hmm. I'm actually starting this story at the restaurant that the that uh, the victim the victim was at tonight. The restaurant is Buca Buca di Bipo Buca di Bipo. Bibbidi bobbidi. Motherfucker. That is not how you say it. It's Italian. Yeah, Buca di Bipo. Buca di Bipo. Buca di Bipo. I like it. It's a great name. Yeah. Is it it's still actually a chain still in existence today? No, not only that, it's a huge chain. Wow. There, there's some in South Carolina. No. Way. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta go to Buka doesn't book, it, book, we gotta Buka go to be book and the people. Doesn't Buka mean mouth in Italian? I don't know. I know fuck. I know Boca is mouth and Spanish I speak American. I don't speak Buka de Bipo. <laughs> mouth of what? <laughs> I don't know. Boca de Bipo. <laughs> Guys, if you're Boogity. new here, I'm already kind of drunk. <laughs> Oh man! Oh boy! This is going to be painful. Is this a nice chain, or is it like a is it like an Italian Applebee's? Yeah, so it's like a family style chain. It seems pretty nice. Kind of like um that place the the such the sea Carabas. Carabas. I love Carabas. I haven't been there. Did they close the one on? No, no, it's still open. We should go there. It's almost like Carabas, but honestly, I think this this may be a little higher price. Number one, they're in Encino, California, which is kind of an uppity uppity place. Okay. And the uh, woman that's there tonight that I'm talking about is somewhat wealthy, so you know I don't think she would go to a crappy Italian place. But Hmm. anyway, we're at Boca de Bebo. Boca, Boca, Boca. All right, so who you're seeing now is Vicky V I C K I Joe Omdahl. She is forty. Well, how how old do you think she is? I would have guessed forty. Forty. Yeah, you would have said forty. Mm-hmm. She also goes by another name, Bryn Hartman. 
She has two small children. At the time, she had a nine-year-old, Sean, and a six-year-old, Bergen. Now, they're both still alive, and they are somewhat active on social media, at least Bergen is. She is a small-town Minnesota girl. But even right there, she looks like an actress. She's very pretty. She moved when to When Ca- was that picture taken? Like, is is this in recent? No, no, no. This is uh, probably 1996. Okay. All yeah. right. I was going to say that kind of looks like a 90s hairstyle. Yeah, she's extremely pretty. I'll put some better pictures of her on on the slides here in a second. But she's a small town, Minnesota girl. Very small town. And no one in her town makes it in Hollywood. So she decides to move on out to Hollywood. She's going to make a name for herself. That's why she's in this Italian restaurant in Encino, California. She is also married with two small children, nine and six years old at the time. And I'm not going to get into this yet, but there's some domestic arguments, not physical, but a lot of arguments. So she's actually out drinking with a girlfriend tonight to kind of get away from that. And a, a little bit about the argument situation in her ho- in her home. She'll get all worked up, worked up, worked up, worked up, start, and she'll start arguing with, with her husband. And what he'll do, this is his defense mechanism, and a lot of friends have verified this. He would just simply roll over and go to sleep. And by the morning time, everything would be fine. That was his way of dealing with the mm. the arguments in the relationship. Interesting. They say never to go to bed angry. Well, he, he's not angry. Well, basically, he just wants his wife to get out all of her energy, you know, expend it all, and I'm just going to go to sleep. That was like his safe place, being asleep. Wow, that sounds like me. I mean, mm. yeah, it sounds like a dick thing to do to your wife or whatever, but that's just what he did. That's how he dealt with the disputes in the house. So she is out drinking tonight with a friend because she's trying to get away from that. All right. Mm. So she's at her house initially, and they live in a nice mansion. She gets in her car. She goes to... Buca de Bipo, Buca de Bipo. She's drinking with a friend. Later on, she goes to a male friend's house, drinks some more. Then she goes back home. She gets at her home at 1 a.m. in the morning. This is a Wednesday night. She's at an Italian restaurant with a girlfriend. Part owner, Tony Penn, said that the two women came in, quote, had two drinks from 8.30 to 10 p.m. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. They were in an upbeat mood, end quote. Okay. So this is going to come out later, but she was actually on three separate drugs when she arrived at the restaurant. Number one is cocaine. And she is a medium. Starting off hard here. Yeah, exactly. She is a medium to heavy cocaine user. and, and, and And how I'm judging that is... There was numerous times when someone would walk into the bathroom and see her snorting cocaine off the counter or whatever, and instead of jerking it up, you know, jerking the cocaine away, and I don't know what this is, she would calmly ask if they wanted to partake. So to me, that seems like she's a normal user of cocaine right there. So she was definitely on cocaine. She was also on Zoloft, which that's what I'm on. Mm-hmm. The uh, Zertulin, same thing. Mm -hmm. And according to drugpolicy.org, using antidepressants such as Prozac, Zoloft, 
and others with cocaine can increase the risk can increase the risk of quote serotonin serotonin syndrome, mm-hmm. a condition when the brain is overloaded with serotonin. Oh, this can lead to excessive sweating, tremors, increased heartbeat, and could also lead to seizures, shaking, shivering, and sometimes death. There's also reports that increasing those and using those with alcohol, which he was drinking that night, could lead to uh, blackouts and suicidal thoughts. Okay, okay. And let's preface it again. She left her home because her husband decided once again he wanted to settle this argument by rolling over and falling asleep. So she gets in her car, she meets a girlfriend at this Italian restaurant, and they start drinking. And she doesn't get home till 1 in the morning she drinks a lot more after this restaurant, does okay, a lot more okay. cocaine. Well, when you think about cocaine and alcohol use. An and upper and a downer. There, Yeah. Alcohol is a depressant and cocaine is a stimulant. But then you also have Prozac, which is an SSRI. And that's that kind of helps to block the serotonin reuptake. So that's kind of like if you take an upper and a downer, it's like kind of balances out. But then you have that other, which is like. A third thing. And you said, was there another drug that she was on or is alcohol or was the other alcohol? Yeah, so alcohol, okay, Zoloft. Okay, alcohol would be the other yeah, drug. Okay. Alcohol, Zoloft, and cocaine was found in our system. Just not a good combination. Yeah. So I've I've done cocaine one time. And so I was really hammered and it was like 8 p.m. And we wanted to just start the night. But I was like ready to go to sleep. So my buddy was like, here, snort this. I did, and then I was like, "Let's party!" I, it was great. I've heard, <laughs> I have heard that. Like, but don't, it, don't, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I've never done cocaine, but I have Any, heard that. Like, yeah. if you're if you're drinking and it like it, you're starting to feel the effects of alcohol kind of making you tired and stuff. You take the cocaine, and it, you're just right back to sober. That's why Red Bull vodka is the best drink ever? No, nothing like the. Bliss feeling Nothing of like <laughs> real rum and coke. Well, I was also watching a uh, documentary about crack this week, and they were talking about <laughs> how, <laughs> how, like, cocaine. Oh, well, no, it. this is it was it was relevant. Like, you mean co- you were driving down Somerville? Oh, <laughs> that was burn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take you downtown Somerville, and you're gonna regret everything that you, has ever come out of your oh, mouth because it's the God. cutest little town. Um, no, I was watching a documentary about crack, and they were talking about how cocaine was really more. It used to be like the drug preferred drug for of like, rich for, people, for wealthy people, yeah. and then they started to make crack because it was is in. It, it was easier to get a hold of than regular cocaine, and it was also it's also way more addictive. Well, kind Drugs of are fascinating. Kind of the the real the real reason behind all this was cocaine came out, and then the CIA decided to invent crack and distribute it to the inner cities of America, and they started the crack epidemic. Right, which is, <laughs> which is just a little bit more elaborate than what I was saying. Uh, at, least, at least that's what the uh, conspiracy theorists think. Crack is whack. She was also on heavy alcohol that night. I'll get to this in a little bit, but her ending BAC was 0.12. And that is after about five hours after she stopped drinking. So she was Ooh. probably at least double the legal limit. At oh, one yeah. Point. She was probably 1.6 maybe or 0.16. Yeah, something which is like double that. the legal limit. Okay. Yeah. So pretty, pretty high up there. 
Now, alcohol, this is according to the Pharmaceutical Journal, researchers from the UK, they claim that it appear quote, it appears that medications like Zoloft can alter some people's alcohol tolerance, resulting in extreme intoxication. So the it, it won't make you your blood alcohol content increase, obviously, but it'd make the effects of it increase. And I saw one statistic where it doubles by one and a half. So if she's at 1.2 Let's say that it's at 2.4, so she or 0.24 because she's on the Zoloft and alcohol. Did you guys know that the last person on the on the Titanic was the baker and he survived because he, he was so wasted that his al- blood alcohol uh, blood alcohol content was so high that his blood actually was like almost completely alcohol so he didn't freeze and he nice. lived. Fascinating. Alcohol is so great. You know what? <laughs> You know where I heard that? Where? You're my favorite news source. TikTok? Okay, so the, that so is that not is a not reliable true. source. Alcohol did uh, solve the uh, cholera cool. cholera epidemic, though, in in the UK. Really? The, yeah, so how it worked, and I'm not 100% sure about all the specific facts, but there was a statistician before that was a real thing. The cholera outbreak in, in the UK, I, I'm not sure which part, but he decided to map out the whole city and he's like, okay, there's an outbreak here, 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 and all these little squares in his map. And the only one that was not, that did not have the outbreak was what? The pub, right? So that's how he figured out, okay, this is coming Alcohol in. cures disease. No, no, no. He figured out that okay. people are getting it from the water. So people that aren't drinking water but drinking beer instead, they're fine. So once again, load yourself up every night. I don't know if I can (laughs) drink this. I don't know if it tastes like apple juice or pee. Well, give it to me. I ain't driving anywhere. DoorDash, baby. So going back to this article, quote, it appears that medications like Zoloft can alter some people's alcohol tolerance, resulting in extreme intoxication, impairment, loss of inhibition, and blackouts. In some situations, this can include unusual, uncharacteristics and un- uncharacteristic and even violent behavior. Hmm. So take a guess what's going to happen. She's arguing with her husband, and I don't know if you guys really understood this, but is, is it worse if I just argue back, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, yada, 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 or if I just roll over and go to sleep? During the argument. Okay, so that's I what already she's know d- the answer to this <laughs> I've one. I've never done that. Have I? See, okay, see you later. Bye. <clears throat> I've never done oh, that. Oh, you know exactly <laughs> what that I'm talking about. Lot. All right, see you next yeah. week. When he rolls <laughs> over and says, okay, bye, see you later, I know he's pissed. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I know, and I got to figure out what I got to do to make it right before we go to bed. Yeah, I'm I'm the, the woman of this relationship. <laughs> so well i guess if if you were arguing back it would it would kind of give off the impression that like you cared a little bit i guess yeah but if that's you what just, i'm saying yeah if you just roll over it's like i'm not it's yeah. not even worth arguing with that's you what about. i'm saying it's like you're not even worth my time that was his way of dealing with it so her way of dealing with it she's already on zoloft is to go get super drunk. And she has a cocaine problem too. So 
this one night did not turn out well for any of them. Hmm. So she gets in her car after the restaurant and drives to her male friend's house. And I didn't see any affair, sexual stuff on this male friend. He may not have even been straight. I, yeah, I think he was kind of like a family friend, to be yeah, honest. That's fine. I, I didn't see anything. Yeah, you know, like we're I, friends and we're platonic friends. That's true. Yeah. So I tried to look up his address. I couldn't even find that. He does live in Studio City, which is really close by to Encino. But anyway, she gets in her car. She drives to Studio City. And then around 1230 a.m. or 1 o'clock a.m., she does a little more drugs, cocaine, more alcohol. Then she drives home to her husband and she starts arguing again. And this is the home. So you see where she's not that though. far to drive, honestly. Oh, yeah, right down the street. Yeah, right down the street. So 5065 Encino Avenue is the home. So I'm showing you the Google Earth now of that. So it's pretty nice. Yeah, nice I, trees. Yeah, I'll show you inside the home in a, in a little bit. It's actually, a, uh, I think it's 14,000 square feet. It's, it's a mansion, but it's you can't really tell because all the trees. So she gets back here at 1 a.m. Now, keep in mind the whole time that the kids, 1619, still asleep in bed. This is 1 a.m. She comes back in extremely intoxicated on cocaine, on her prescribed Zoloft and alcohol, and she is ready to argue. And this is the kids right here. I'm not going to go too much into their background, but they are... Uh, still alive. I would imagine they're around our age, right? Yeah. yeah. So this was the 96. oldest. Sean was nine, and this happened in 1998. Yeah. So he's so, around our age. Yeah. I think he is my age. Uh, the younger daughter, Bergen B. I, I believe that's how you say your name. If if you hear this, I apologize if it's not, but it's B I R. G-E-N. I know on she recently posted something on Twitter that said. I something something to the effect of I came off my Twitter diet or, or you know she wasn't posting on Twitter for a long time. Oh, like I, a social media yeah, fast. Or yeah, something? I bro- I broke my Twitter fast to complain about uh, she had a coffee cup from Starbucks and they spelled her name B R I G E N. So she was, you, you know, ah. So she is still active on social media. I'm not going to go into them if I can't if I can help it because you know that's it's still. Obviously, tragic. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is they're still sleeping in bed. And the wife comes home, wakes the husband up, and starts yelling, screaming. Eventually, she gets tired of it. He goes back to bed in around 2 a.m. Now, he's snoring, sleeping in the fetal position. Just She decides she's had enough. She takes a four-inch barrel revolver. She places said barrel on husband's forehead and then pulls the trigger. All right. Wow. Okay. I was not expecting this, honestly. So this is the type of gun used. This is a Smith & Wesson Model 15 38 caliber 4-inch blue steel revolver. It's a small gun. So do you know who we're talking about tonight? The no. celebrity couple? I know you know, Jen. Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. Who is Phil Hartman? So this is, you don't know who Phil Hartman is? He's an SNL alum. Yeah, this is a SNL type of guy. I'm not going to go too much into his background. I, I will a little bit, but um, so you don't know anything about Phil Hartman? No. Oh, he, he did, looks familiar. He did Bill Clinton. 
Yeah, that was his famous uh, I was going to say, he, like, ne- now seeing his picture up there, he looks familiar, but otherwise, no. Yeah, his. so he did Bill Clinton. That was one of his the famous caveman. skits. And, and also the caveman, yeah. Well, there you go. And <laughs> the, we're the drinking cave, the caveman. The caveman lawyer. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, he's Saturday Night Live type of guy. I honestly, guys, I can't put any footage of videos from that stuff because I don't want another copyright strike. So I, I can't do that. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, because they, they like threatened to cu- uh, shut our account down. So I'm not going to put any videos on there. And I'll put all my sources on talkmire.com for all these photos. But I'm sorry, I can't put any videos, man. I just can't do it. That's I don't okay. Get our shit shut down. Anyway, this is uh, Phil and Bryn Hartman. Remember, her name was Vicky Joe Omdahl. That's O M D A H L, Wisconsin girl. And she came to California. Minnesota. Minnesota? Oh, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Minnesota girl. Oh, wait. Can I just interrupt? Sorry. If you want to see that, you can go to NBC.com to look at the clips or YouTube. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty on YouTube. There was actually a documentary done in 2020. It was like the last day of Phil Hartman's life. And it's pretty good. I'll, I'll link to that. They have five episodes of eight. So they kind of want you to pay once it gets to the murdery part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll I'll link to that on there. But I just I can't use any videos, man, because I don't want to get banned. But I decided to put some of the home videos in there because I don't think those are copyrighted. I don't know. If you're uh, a lawyer out there, man, if you want to like tell us what we can pose and not pose, that'd be great. <laughs> help us out. We want to give as much in- information as yeah, we can. Yeah, because we got one copyright strike and they, they were like really mean about it. I was like, dude. Aww. You're making me tear up, man. Aww. I don't need this. <laughs> oh, John, are you tearing up now? This is from a close friend, Stephen Small, and he's also a lawyer. I got this from the Los Angeles Times. Quote, they had a pattern of arguing at night, and he would go to sleep, and everything would be okay in the morning. End quote. Now, that lawyer, Stephen Small, actually handled both of Phil Hartman's divorces. So he has two divorces prior to this. Now, are both of the kids from this Ex- marriage? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Both of the kids are from um, Bryn Hartman. Okay. Yeah. And and by, let me just say that when I talk about domestic issues, there's no uh, pushing, shoving, violent stuff. Honestly, this case is more of... He, you know, the pressure of being an actor and now he's getting famous and then she's trying to make it on her own type of thing. It was just that type of stress in the home and that kind of pushed it over the edge. Is Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll get into a little bit of the uh, background. But if you don't know Phil Hartman, he is known for his Saturday, Saturday Night Live and also his Simpsons, Troy McClure. Mm-hmm. Oh. Quote, he was away a lot and she and the kids were home, end quote. Hmm. It was hard, but that's what you sign up for if you marry someone in the business. And that's what a friend, Andrea Diamond, said. All right, so Bryn was actually previously in a treatment center, like a rehab. She was also pretty violent when it came to the arguments. She would, and this is from uh, the Los Angeles Times, quote, slapping, throwing, kicking, and screaming, end quote, when she would get into an argument with her husband, Phil Hartman. So no wonder he just wanted to turn over and like not engage it. Yeah. I feel bad for him. Yeah. 
yes and no. So as we'll talk about, he wasn't really there for her. So she's a small town Minnesota girl, comes out to California to make it in Hollywood. She does that. And I'm not saying she couldn't do it any other way, but she marries Phil Hartman, which is an up and comer at the time. She also dated Rob Reiner and people like that. So already she so she is almost like she was trying to implant herself into the business instead of doing the acting uh, auditions, which she did putting in the work, putting in the work. Yeah, that's kind of seems what she her plan was. And that's just. From what I saw. So this is Phil's third marriage, correct? Third marriage, yeah. And none of the other ones worked out at all. I'm talking about less than a year. Because Phil Hartman apparently falls head over heels for a woman. And then he, as you'll see in one of the home videos I'm showing you a little bit, he kind of distanced himself. He's very... Avoidant He's he's very reclusive, in his uh, as a person hmm. so when he falls head over heels this is the best thing ever happened to me but then they get married and he starts reclusing so this is the longest relationship he's ever had exactly it, yeah it, it sounds like he has an avoidant attachment style too hmm. interesting which yes. also makes sense because he would roll over instead of trying to figure out and try to work through the argument mm-hmm Definitely not one for confrontation. So after the kids were born is when Bryn started to use the cocaine. And that was during the time where that was actually a really popular drug. So she got pretty addicted to it. Was she going through postpartum depression and mm. that tried No, I, d- I didn't see anything with uh, the kids. I mean, because the family, this was their problem. As far as Phil Hartman and Bryn Hartman, from what I saw, they they love their kids and they wanted to hide their domestic arguments from the kids. So the kids had nothing to do with it, but, and the, there was no postpartum depression. This was, and at the time of the murder, you remember Phil Hartman is on Saturday, Saturday night live, which is filmed in New York. So he's out in New York. So it's like a bi-coastal There you go, yeah. So he's in his apartment in New York, and guess who's at, at the home in Encino, California, taking care of the two kids, doing all the work that a, a aspiring actress from small-town Minnesota is... That, that's not her life. Her life is to make it in Hollywood, not raise right. some actor's kids. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. She's yeah. got her she's got her own dreams, if you will. Yeah, and so he didn't really support her in that aspect. He just kind of, here you go, here's the kids type of thing. I'm going to New York. And and at this time, he was getting more famous. Sat- Saturday Night Live, the uh, president, um, Bill Clinton, mm. uh, interview and stuff like that. He was getting jobs like uh, The Simpsons. He got a full-time job. Both... Uh, two characters on The Simpsons. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he was getting famous and more rich. So that's when this started to culminate. Because I saw somewhere where she was talking to a friend, like even grocery shopping. Like I take the kids grocery shopping and, you know, my husband's not here. It's like even something small as going to the grocery store with me would, would do wonders for the relationship type of thing, you know? But I think at the end of the day, she just wanted to be an actress, self-made. And honestly, that wasn't the role she was playing. She was playing the mother, stay at home, take care of the kids while your husband is successful. Does that Mm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. So some of the 
best roles, and I can't put any of the uh, videos on here, but if you want to go look them up, I'll put some uh, clips on there. But uh, The Caveman Lawyer is probably one of my favorite. Also, Troy McClure, the uh, lawyer from The Simpsons. Mm. You may remember... I can't do the voices. Hello, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such movies as Cry Yuma and Here Comes the Coast Guard. He was also in big-time commercials, which paid him millions, including McDonald's and a Cheetos commercial. Right now, get a filet of fish or McChicken for just 99 cents. Or in the morning, get a sausage McMuffin with egg for 99 cents. And I'll link those uh, commercials on TalkMurder.com. But this is the home here. This is a home video of the house, so you can kind of see what they're looking for, look working with. This is the entrance to the home. This is a family home. Hi. That's Phil Hartman. Here's my sink. Two mirrors, because I'm a split personality. You see that? In the hallway to the master bedroom. Right here. Almost as big as our old house. In this bar area. Not much in the way of drinkers, but we love it anyway. And so pretty much, this is what our dream house is all about. And you said that but it doesn't look like that from the street right right you it's can't see it you can't you can't see it right it's yeah. got all the shrubbery and stuff um but you can't even see the house but now that you actually see the video it's like yeah, jesus it's, it's a nice house all right so i'm pulling the next section from the autopsy report let's talk about phil's murder here and exactly what happened he got shot actually he got shot three times this is from the autopsy report it's a little uh, medical-y, but if you want to try it, Nicole. There is a stellate contact gunshot wound of entrance to the forehead just above the bridge of the nose with palpable crepitus of the temporal parietal octopole skull. There is a V-shaped suiting pattern on the pillow directly adjacent to this wound. There is a gunshot wound offering trends to the right mandible area, just lateral to the chin. Oh, hold on one second. So you see the heavy sooting. Mm-hmm. And the reason I pulled that is because that's close range. Yeah. Okay. For the gunpowder? Yeah. So she actually put this barrel, and I'll show you exactly where, directly in the center of the forehead. Wow. So the husband's sleeping just completely out and she puts it right there. He was shot multiple times. But, oh, whoa. Yeah, multiple times. But the first shot, straight in the forehead, less than 18 inches, she held the barrel. So this was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm sick of you rolling over. I'm sick of raising these kids. And she was on the Zoloft and everything else. She just pushed, put that four-inch barrel right to his forehead, less than 18 inches away, and just pulled the trigger. Boom. Probably didn't even think about it before she did it. She was just so fucked up on all kind of pills and and cocaine and and alcohol. She just, boom, blew his head away. There is heavy setting circumferential to this wound and stippling circumferential to the setting pattern. There is a similar wound to the posterior right forearm with exit out the anterior forearm and re-entry into the lower right chest, upper right abdomen. And it goes on to say, this is the autopsy report, it goes on to say, quote, blood trails from all wounds as well as from the ears, nose, and mouth. Pillow and bedding in contact with the upper torso are saturated with wet and uh, coagulating blood, end quote. So, very violent death. Shot multiple times. Uh, we're, we're about to see all the bullet wounds. But this is... 
this video here is from the day of the murder. Okay. The, you know, within the wee hours, 7 a.m., 8 a.m. as it was going on. This is from ABC from 1998. So I'm showing you this video. There's no sound to it, but you can kind of see the home. You see the officers going up to the home. You can also see that that is the child. That is uh, Sean, I believe, or maybe Bergen. One of the child or one of the children being dragged out of the home because he was murdered when the kids were sleeping. Jesus. So, yeah, the kids were asleep. Then the, and he was murdered. Boom. <sighs> Pretty bad. Now, what I'm showing you now is the autopsy photos. Not not the death photos. Those aren't available. But the uh, the medical okay. examiner's photos. So you can see the bullet wounds. This is just in the chest area right now. So there's multiple in and out wounds. You see the circles. Yep. Uh, on there, there's even, I uh, believe it says an abrasion on the knee. So he was shot multiple times in the chest. And as far as the head, you see where the bullet yep. wound is in the head. Execution style. Exe yeah, that's a good point. Execution style, which is kind of crazy. I mean, I mean, why would she shoot him in the forehead? I, I feel like there's some psychology there. Like maybe she just didn't love him. I, I don't know. But just to shoot someone in the forehead execution style, it almost is like a God complex. I control like your life. I control your life. I control everything. Boom, you're dead. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're going to kill your spouse, you, I mean, because you're looking at their face. She is sitting there on top of the bed looking at his face. True. Sleeping, snoozing. And and when the cops found him, they quoted that he was still in that sleepy, uh, I mean, he's dead, but his expression was that he was having a uh, nice dream at the time, kind of just, you know, peaceful. content, peaceful. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, just to see someone your husband like that of so many years who has given you two children and then just i feel like there's some psychology there well there's a couple of different aspects that you can think of when you talk about that the first one is you know she wanted to kill him but maybe didn't want him to like like knew it would be a quick death he wouldn't suffer that could be one thing the second thing is and this is probably more out there um but when you think about comedians and actors like like phil hartman was he was so talented and um it's different than like a professional athlete who where their their body is the the means of their craft like they work so hard on their sport and things like that but like for comedians um it's all in, in the head it's all in the brain interesting so oh, yeah. Jen. so um it might maybe um, so maybe it was a way to that's like, deep yeah I mean, I don't know. It could have just been something that she was coked up in. No offense. I mean, no, but, but like, that's a great point. Like yeah. maybe she was so like she knew his his success came from his comedic mind. Yeah. And I mean, not only that, but that was that was what was preventing one of the things from him mm. being able to be around was his comedic, you know, comedy being having to fly back and forth to, to New York for for yeah. SNL and then, you know, being out for his work on The Simpsons and other projects. I, I don't know. It's deep and it's probably far out there, but it's just a thought. No, that's a great point. All right. This is actually from Salon.com. They they had a, a, someone very close to the case write up a an article. This is 2014. But this is what the police saw when they arrived at the house. 
According to police, the most likely scenario for what then transpired is this. Sometime in the next couple of hours, as Phil sleeps with his bent right leg exposed atop the sheet and the cover and his left arm extended straight out beneath him, Bryn enters the master bedroom suite. There on a closet shelf is the metal lockbox in which she and Phil keep their firearms and gun supplies. Extracting his Smith & Wesson 38, she returns to where her husband lies. From her side of the bed, she takes aim and fires the first shot. A second and third follow. One strikes the right side of Phil's cheek, just lateral to his chin. Another enters through his posterior right forearm and exits out the anterior and re-enters his right lower chest. Both are fired from no more than 18 inches away, the latter causing a fatal wound. The most damaging shot, also fatal, is fired at point-blank or nearly point-blank range and enters above the bridge of Phil's nose, passing through his skull and brain before it comes out the rest. Death is quick, perhaps instantaneous. Incongruously, he seems to be smiling as if in the middle of a sweet dream. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I wonder what it was like when she pulled the trigger the first time and she's just, I mean, she, she fired two other shots, so it's just like, bow, bow. It's interesting that he didn't wake up. Well, he shot first... it right in the head. Yeah, so the like first the shot first... maybe killed him. Yeah, instant. Like that—that's what they're saying. I can't. I yeah, can't tell. It says death first, is quick. The perhaps... first shot. Yeah, maybe the first shot. Yeah. Wait. Oh. The, the very bottom line: death is quick, perhaps instantaneous. Oh yeah. So I'm pretty sure the first but one. But it is interesting that she shot him multiple times. But. I think it was just more of a. You know, this Prime is of the... passion. Yeah, crime of passion. Like you, you, I'm just someone raising your kids. You don't care about me. You're always in New York. Just fuck, fuck you. And then uh, you know what? You know whatever. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, it's crazy. But the story gets even crazier. She then get this is around two a.m. when she kills Phil Hartman, her husband. She then gets in her car. Now she's still drunk, and now she's got, you know, just committed a murder of her husband. The kids are still sleeping. It's sad. You know, because it's a huge house. I didn't probably even hear it. She actually drives back to her friend Ron Douglas's house in Studio City. And he says that she is blitz drunk and very angry. Actually, he was very angry because this is like 2.33 a.m. He says some things to her when he sees her at the door. She's in her pajamas, pajama bottoms, white T-shirts. She has a Prada purse in her hand. She's yelling, screaming, waking up all the neighbors. He comes down, opens the door. Yo, what are you doing? You know, be quiet. Then she yells at him, quote, don't yell at me. Phil yells at me all the time, end quote. She then screams out that I just killed Phil. I just killed my husband. Of course, he doesn't believe it because... She's crazy. she is literally drunk and on heavy amounts of cocaine. And in fact, she does more cocaine and drinks more when she's at the house Oof. after the murder. Okay. He doesn't believe it. She is hysterical and she starts going to the bathroom, vomiting, coming back, trying to fall asleep, vomit some more, tries to fall asleep. And she actually gets an hour to asleep until about 6 a.m. That's when. Um, I keep wanting to call him Ron Goldman. I don't know why. Um, that's when Ron Douglas shakes her. Get up, get up. We're going to the house. We're going to your house. And we're going to settle this. Because he still doesn't think that Phil Hartman's dead. Well, Ron Goldman is OJ's Yeah, I, I know, victim, but right? it's Ron right. Douglas. No, no, yeah. I, I was just making the connection. I was like, I, that name sounds familiar. Anyway. I did not pick up yeah. on that at all. 
Yeah, so if you want to go ahead and read this. Bryn says her stomach hurts, that she's sick and passes out. Guessing she might have taken an overdose of pills, Douglas wakes her. When he does, she runs to the bathroom and vomits. This happens several times, not off, run to the bathroom, vomit. Ryan Douglas says, you know what, it's, I mean, it's 6 a.m. We're going to the house. I'm going to follow you there, and we're going to settle this. We're going to figure out what the hell's going on. I think I killed Phil! Hysterical and sobbing, she is speeding and driving erratically. Traffic laws mean little. She blows red tri-light signals at two intersections. Where are you? Judy asks. I, I don't know. Bryn replies. I, I don't know. My life is over. So Ron Douglas arrives there, and then guess what? Okay, what? Phil is dead. He is in the fetal position. There's blood all over the covers in the master bedroom. He's going to pick up the phone. Now, before this happened, he actually took the gun because she she comes to his house drunk, vomiting. She throws her purse on the on the couch. The gun flops on the, the cushion. And then he's like, oh, maybe there is some truth to this. Something to look at. Eventually, he looks in the chamber and half the bullets are missing. He's like, oh, fuck. That's when we got to go to the house, 6 a.m. Uh. So he actually preserves the uh, evidence like in a grocery bag. But anyway, they get there. Immediately, he runs into master bedroom. Phil Hartman is dead, murdered by his wife, blood splattered everywhere. He's in a fetal position, doesn't even know what happened, obviously. He picks up the phone and calls 911. And this is the transcript of that right here. This is between the operator and Ron Douglas. Emergency operator 614. Hi, there's been a shooting at 5065 Encino Boulevard. How many people are shot? Just one. And um, do you know what part of the body? I think around the head and the neck. I just got here. The person who shot him, is he still around? Yes, she's his wife. Uh, the wife shot him and they're both there? Yeah. Is she hurt at all? I- I'm not sure. I'm trying to calm her down, okay? Hello, sir? Yeah. Did, um, was this on purpose or was this an accident? What's her, do you know what happened? I have no idea. She was drunk. She said she killed her husband and I didn't believe her. Okay, are they both there now? You're right. Now you can trace this address because I'm not sure. All right, where's the weapon now? It's in my hand. Because um, she brought it to my house. What's your name, sir? My name is Ron. Ron Douglas. All right, sir. We're going to get the officers on the way. Now, around 6.20 a.m., SWAT team arrives at the house on Encino Boulevard. And they're there to remove the children because they know that there's two children in the house. Bryn has now barricaded herself in the master bedroom with her dead husband. Oh, no. Who was shot... At 1.30-ish a.m. So he's been dead for about six hours now. So she is there on the bed. With her right, dad. With what? With her dad. No. no with the, oh, with her husband. With Got her it. husband, Sorry. yeah. She's on the bed right now with her husband, her dead husband. Is she sobering out a little bit? Um. Well, so that's a good question. Probably, yeah, because of time. But, you know, they the... BAC was 0.12 when they they actually um, like took processed her, her, processed her, but uh, and she also had cocaine and stuff like that. Around 6.32 a.m., the police actually call Bryn's phone number because they're, they've now got the kids out. They're coming in to 
arrest her, to get her out of there, to, to calm the situation down. So they call her phone. At 632, Bryn's bedroom phone rings. She answers. Uh, hello? Uh, yeah, hi, this is the police department. Is Ronnie home? Yes. Bryn says. Come in. Ma'am? Yes? Is, is there someone who's been shot there? Yes. Okay, how many people are inside the house? Help me! Crying, Bryn hangs up. The police call back. Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. Hello? Hello? Ma'am, how many people are inside the house right now? I don't know. Okay, thank you. I don't know why he said thank you. Because it said thank you. (laughs) I know, but he's like, thank you. This was so intense. (laughs) I hope that I mean I was talking like this, but my face was on the mic, so I hope that went in there okay. You good? Yeah. <laughs> she hears the police. It's actually the SWAT team that go in there. They're I mean obviously they're not trying to go in there shooting. They know the wife killed the husband. Main priority: the get kids. the kids. Get the kids out of there. Then she calls her sister, which lives in Eclair. I think I'm saying they're okay. right. Eau Claire, Wisconsin. This is what she says to her sister. Tell my kids that I love them more than anything, and I always love them. If mommy doesn't know what happened, she's just very sorry. She hangs up the phone. Now the police, she's actually barricaded in the door. She didn't like bring a dresser, but she's locked it. She probably pushed a chair against the door or something. She's in the bed with her dead husband who is now starting to decompose. So Ugh. she's coming down off the drugs, the alcohol. She is, she's surrounded. I mean, not that they're coming in there shooting, but she's barricaded in the door, in, in the in the home. She calls her sister, says, please tell, out of all the things, please tell my si- my daughter, my son, that I love them. Quote, mommy doesn't know what happened, and she's just very sorry, end quote. She's crying hysterically. She knows the police are about to bust in. And around that time, she takes her own revolver, which is a two-inch thirty-eight caliber five-shooter. So this is a different gun? A different gun. And places said revolver inside her (gasps) own mouth. She then pulls the trigger. Oh, no. So she committed suicide. She was dressed in a two-piece pajama outfit. She is found laying next to her dead husband, Phil Hartman, who was in the fetal position. She was actually pushed up against the bed and the, there was two pillows behind her back as a support, but she was sitting up. Phil Hartman, her husband, was in the fetal position. I, it almost like he was like cuddling up to her, you know, so... It, so she was on the side that he was? Like if, if he, he was... He made it spooning? Yeah, the spooning. That's That's how I'm taking it. Yeah, so she was... He was facing her, if that's what you mean. So, like, if he was on this side of the bed facing out, she sat on the yeah, same side of the bed from, and From shot what herself? I'm taking, yeah. It, it's almost like she, I mean, I know this is crazy, but she wanted to be with him the last second. Think about the psychology. If you kill your significant other and, and you actually love them, it was just a mistake. You were on drugs, drinking heavily, just something stupid happened. You want to be as close as possible to them when you take your own life type of thing. So I, I think that's how I got it. But she was right next to her husband and up against the wall, up against the headboard. And she puts the barrel in, in her own mouth and she pulls the trigger. Her BAC, as I said earlier, was 0.12. The gun was actually still on her hand, in her hand. And actually her God. the finger was still 
on the trigger. Mm. The time of death was 6.38 a.m. If you want to read this. A fatal bullet passes through her brain and lodges in the headboard. Her head slumps toward Phil, and her shooting hand drops to the right, almost touching him. Her index finger is still on the trigger. Mm. So that is... That's that's really one of sad. the Saturday Night that's Live heartbreaking curses. Heartbreaking. There. That's the tragic murder. So of, what happened to the kids? Yeah, the kids. So immediately they were the two kids were sent to live with relatives in Wisconsin and with her sister, Bryn's sister. God. Uh, Catherine Wright was her name, and her her husband Mike in Eau Claire. Is that how you say it? Eau Claire. Eau Claire. And uh, the, when the kids were in the police station, the close friend, Joel Diamond, and we had said a quote from him earlier, but he said, quote, they were both crying and looked kind of numb, end quote. Uh. So a little bit about the repercussions of this story. Gregory Omdahl, which was Bren's brother, remember mm-hmm. she was an Omdahl, he actually sued Zoloft for... Because they, the toxicology report came out and she was under Zoloft compared with, or, you know, backed with the alcohol. It was she taking the right amount of dosage or did she like take too many of them? It seemed like it was normal prescription. Yeah. I mean, from what I can see. Interesting that she would, they would try to sue for that. Yeah, they did. I mean, honestly, they they did kind of push this whole case off on Zoloft. As far as the public sentiment that's, is that uh, this was an antidepressant case. I feel like that's hard, though, unless it was too early. You know, I don't remember exactly when Zoloft was created, but it wasn't like it was it's not like it's a recent case where we have all of these warnings about taking the pill while you are under the influence of alcohol or drugs. But I feel like if they had that warning on there then it, you can't really get much from a lawsuit on it because she was abusing they can if your your husband is a saturday saturday night live star yeah and it I'm, what i'm trying to say is this is I mean, this is worldwide news you know well, yeah, they're, they're I, getting yeah, a lot of scrutiny on this well yeah it shocked it shocked hollywood it shocked you know a lot of the world because he was a very popular um c- celebrity and um you know obviously I was too young to appreciate him when he was in his prime. I but. never liked it. I, I not to be mean, but I never liked his acting, man. I, I never did. I just didn't really understand. It wasn't really funny to me. It, he he would always play a serious role, you know, where it's serious, but he's also funny. Mm-hmm. He's not like Chris Farley was my kind of go to, where he's just in a van down by the river. Yeah, in a van down by the like Phil Hartman. He was great, but he was more like just the he was almost like the father figure. Of whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's the more mature guy. You can always tell. Yeah, but I mean... Do you know what I'm saying? I I mean, I'm not really familiar with a lot of his skits. Um, I just never... I just never... But I I, I can see how it shot... Like, it it sent shockwaves across, you know, the acting industry. And especially if she was involved in the acting industry as well. Um, But I just feel like, you know, you... It's hard to say what really you know, was going through her mind when she's using and abusing these drugs. Is she like really at fault? Was this something that, is it something that normally would happen if you, if she wasn't on Zoloft and was only using cocaine and alcohol or was only using alcohol and Zoloft or only using cocaine and Zoloft? Like it's, 
it's a good point. I it, mean, now that I think about it, I honestly I feel like I it, it may be. I mean, because she, I mean, she has two kids. She loved him, obviously, and I know like the reason she is arguing and stuff like that is because her husband is now becoming famous, really famous, rich, and she is taking care of the kids, mm-hmm. and he's not even on the same side of the uh, the country, right? So, but is that enough to to put a a barrel of a gun to your husband's forehead and, and end what, it all? It, like, de- it depends. I mean, honestly, and, and then leave the kids there. Was, well, I think that her her mur- murder and her dying by suicide were two separate events that could have been uh, you know brought up by the same same thing, the same night of drinking and using drugs. Like maybe maybe she wasn't. I mean, she clearly wasn't in a sober mindset when she pulled the trigger on her husband. That's yeah. that's clear. She was sobering up and was, I mean, when she, when they got her, their, her BAC, she clearly wasn't sober. But, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, taking your own life, like, th- is that something that she normally would do if she wasn't under the influence of I those mean, drugs? I mean, I would though, but I mean, if, if your, your life is over, what are you going to, you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison. Like, I mean, she probably thought that, like, my life is over. Like, kids are never going to see me. I mean, if they do, it's going to be behind a bulletproof glass. But that's not necessarily true when you think about our legal system. And she could have argued that it wasn't necessarily a first degree murder. Maybe the intent wasn't there from begin with because she was under the influence. So hmm. it's there's there's different Good perspectives point. that you can take. And I'm not saying she should or shouldn't have done this or that because obviously we can't change the past. And it's a very tragic event. But you have to kind of take a look at both of the both of the shootings in different and it's like from different perspectives is it a domino effect or was it effect of the drugs or was it something that was a preconceived notion in her head that would only be able to pull out because of because of the drugs i mean i think she killed herself because she knew because let's go back to the conversation she had with judy in the car on the way to the house quote I don't know. My life is over. End quote. So she she knew that she was. I mean, that's it, man. Like mm. she, I I don't know. That's just me. But that's um, interesting. Gregory Amdahl did eventually sue Zoloft, Zoloft the the medication, and he claims that the sister his sister's psycho- psychologist did not properly diagnose her condition. And obviously, I mean, these Hollywood actresses and actors, I mean, they they kind of just. Like, I need this, that, and the other pill or whatever. And they get it. I mean, they're actors. Anyway, this is a list of the stuff that Phil Hartman's been in. I just kind of uh, scrolled up a little bit. Yeah, so he started. He's been in a lot of Pee Wee Wee Herman. Herman. Yeah, he was Captain Carl and Pee Wee Herman. Scooby-Doo. The the Dukes. And and so you can see these are kind of no, no one knows these roles sort of thing. But then you can see it really, you can see his fame skyrocketing here and that is when this culminated Brave little toaster space is, balls yeah space balls ducktails so he's been a lot of stuff the smurfs woo. smurfs um tailspin darkwing duck and then this is where he starts getting really famous around this time when he joins saturday night, saturday night live and um the simpsons ren and stimpy yeah dana carvey show which was a flop yeah so let me see he had 182 episodes with Saturday Night Live. But yeah, so that's that's pretty much him hmm. in a nutshell. Well, well, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I didn't go too deep into the family dynamic. I mean, I don't I don't think he didn't love 
his wife, but he was just, he's one of those actors, man, that are just so reclusive. It's almost like, uh, what's his name? Robin Williams. You know, he just wants to be by himself and he's so talented, but he's just a, a loner and isolationist type of thing. I think that's how Phil Hartman was, but then he tried to fit the mold of, okay, I've got to be a husband, but that's just not his style, man. Yeah. You know, you got to David Duchovny that shit. Be like a Californication. Yeah, but when you're thinking about a comedian, we and should you, watch that. you make that. I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen that. But when you're making the comparison to Robin Williams, especially. Love you're Robin ex- Williams. You're expected oh. to be on all the time. Yeah. And you may not. I mean, they. I feel like celebrities have everything at their disposal. Yeah, but we may, do. Yeah, but but may not have the opportunity, <laughs> or may not be you know know how to go about getting the right kind of help. So, you know, maybe maybe Phil was going through a time where he was really suffering. You know, like I said, it sounds like he had an avoidant person, uh, avoidant attachment style, but maybe he did kind of retrieve into his own thoughts which was may have been a safe space for him i don't know it's just it's just hard like you you can't especially when he's like like in that time period starting to rise to fame when you start to see the demands of fame on a person which we can't even comprehend at this point almost but not quite um but you know it's it's certainly something where it's different than a, a normal life so maybe i don't know i don't even know where i was going with that point but it's it's difficult no it's good good thought for sure. Yeah. Sad story. Sad. Mm. The kids are still around. Uh, they, they got, they in, they went to the sisters in Wisconsin. They also inherited, I think, a $1.23 million estate. So I guess they're still living off that. I mean, so that is the murder of Phil Hartman and the suicide of his wife. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Sad. Very sad. Very sad. I'll put all the sources, photos, videos on talkmurder.com. Be sure to go there and bookmark that site because it's great. Also, if you want to support us, go to talkmurder.com slash join and become a Talgo Supremo. And we will do a bunch of stuff for you. Like Nicole's, she is the... She's taking care of all that stuff, so she's good with that. She is the taco liaison. Yeah. So anyway, my name is John. I'm here with Jen and Nicole. Until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.